welcome to the British History Podcast. If you love British history, then you are definitely in the right place. My name is Philippa and I will be taking you through British history, the people, the events, the intrigue. Some of the stories you may think you know, but you don't know them in the way I tell them. And then hopefully I will also be able to introduce you to something new too. Now this podcast is free and it always will be. But if you would like more History Lover benefits, then please consider coming and joining me over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash British History. But for now, let's get into today's episode. Hello everyone, how are you? Welcome. Just turn my light up a little bit. Welcome to History Chat live Thursday tea time history chat live whatever I decide to call it this week um welcome if you're joining live thank you so much for spending your time with me I'm streaming live on YouTube and Instagram but this will also be there for posterity on uh, on IGTV and YouTube and the podcast following this as well so welcome if you're listening or watching on the catch-up as well. Hi everyone, I can see you all joining. If you're joining on Instagram, please do do the double tappy thing that gives me lots of hearts and let me know that you're there and you can hear me fine. Um, and also on uh, YouTube, if you're joining me on YouTube, please do give me a little comment. Um, I'm always extremely concerned now with the... Um, with the sound on here because it doesn't always uh, work. So let me know if you're here and you can hear me fine. That would be fabulous. Well, welcome everyone. It's again, we're back to Thursday. I know it's not quite a Friday, but it means that we're nearly there. Um, and I, I do sometimes, hi Janice, hi everybody. I do sometimes think, well, am I gonna have anything to talk about? Well, I'll give you a little insight. Look, I've made some notes. <laughs> There's quite a lot to talk about. Um, if you're watching me on YouTube, please do um, let me know in the comments if the sound is okay. Um, I, I'm sure, I think on, on Instagram you can hear me all fine because you're, you're all waving to me, so that's lovely. Um, it's been another busy week. Last week I was live from Blenheim Palace. I was down there um, doing, hi, hi, hi. Uh, I was down there doing a podcast recording uh, with Antonia Keeney who's the social historian and a curator at Blenheim Palace and I was discussing with her Sarah Churchill I wanted to talk about Sarah Churchill and uh, I'll come back to Sarah Um, morning Marion thank you for joining on YouTube thank you for letting me know my sounds good that's really good to know thank you I can relax now um so uh, yeah, so last week, obviously at Blenheim Palace, and I was there uh, because I was speaking to Antonia Keeney and recorded a podcast about Sarah Churchill. And it just also happened to be the anniversary anniversary of Sarah Churchill's uh, death on Monday. So we, uh, so that tied in very well. And I'll speak about Sarah a little bit more in a bit. We also talked about Sarah on our Clubhouse room on Monday. So any of you who joined us on Clubhouse on Monday would have been, uh, I think we we were talking for about an hour, maybe slightly more than an hour about Sarah Churchill. She was the first Duchess of Marlborough. Um, (coughs) Excuse me, if you've seen the uh, film, The Favourite, she is, so this is the the Queen Anne uh, relationship with her favourite. Sarah Churchill. So we spoke about Queen Anne a bit and we spoke also about Abigail Masham who was a cousin of uh, Sarah Churchill who supplanted Sarah in um, in the affections of Anne. Um, so we had a really good discussion uh, about that but yes yeah, so that's why I was at Blenheim last week which is why I did the live on location which I really enjoy. I hope you enjoy them too. It's quite nice to see a bit of a different backdrop um, and have a uh, have that uh, and, and things to talk about while I'm on location. Um, so that was fun. Now, the podcast, before I forget, that will be coming out to uh, members of my Patreon on the 11th of November um, and everyone else, it will be uh, available um, on the 18th of November, so the following week. Um, and while I'm talking about that, I just want to give 
a shout out actually to two people who've upgraded their membership. I'm really grateful. This is lovely. So in the last week, Laurie and Beverly have gone from being a kind supporter. So if, if you just want to help me support me, I suppose, in this, then I've just got a three pounds a month um, tier on Patreon that just helps me tick over you know um, any help is is welcome and um, but Beverly and Laurie have upgraded their kind supporter membership up to the upper class which means they have access now to the blogs and the early access material as well so thank you so much to them um, and obviously if you would like to even have a look what on earth I'm talking about when I talk about Patreon then you can always check it out at patreon.com forward slash British history and the links to that are in my Instagram bio um, not on my YouTube bio oh I think actually if you go to my YouTube channel there's a link from the uh, from the co uh, cover photo but anyway so that's that um, so yes yeah, so, so I was explaining but while I was in that area I took the opportunity to visit uh, some other places that I hadn't been well actually one place I'd been to before but hadn't been for a while and one place to uh, that I hadn't been before so um, one was the Ashmolean Museum which I will tell you a little bit more about and if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook you'll have seen a couple of the things that I um, saw in the museum I was gonna say found in the museum they knew they were there, just me that didn't. Uh, a couple of things that I saw in the museum that I've posted about. So I'll come back um, and, and talk about that in a moment. And the other place was at, um, Oxford Castle, which was converted to a prison. So it's Oxford Castle and prison. And that's where I came across uh, a story that I covered last night about uh, a lady uh, called Mary Blandy who was a, an infamous murderess in the 18th century and she was hung uh, in, in the middle, in 1752, I think it was, and uh, came across her story there, which was great timing because we'd already decided that in our, um, what was a clubhouse room, but we're now doing it on Instagram live, uh, our room was going to be on uh, women in history that were mad, bad and dangerous to know. And so uh, Mary Blandy fit into that very well. And if you'd like to see just the Mary Blandy bit, I'll, I'll tell you a bit more about her in a moment, but um, if you'd like to see just the Mary Blandy bit, it, we did descend into quite a lot of hysterics um, last night over, <laughs> over the story. But you can see just that snippet on my IGTV um, uh, thing as well. So I think if you just go to, um, to my British uh, History Tours, profile on Instagram you'd be able to go off and uh, and it's the latest video on my IGTV there's a, a link from my story at the moment to that um, but thank you to, I can see a few of you um, here with us today were um, were listening to that last night so I hope you um, I hope I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did they the thing we were talking about women in history who are mad bad and dangerous to know so i'd covered uh juana of castile so this is um the el one of the elder sisters of catherine of aragon so a daughter of isabella of castile and ferdinand of aragon and i covered her um and then uh but the of course there was going to be some harrowing stories and uh catherine the tudor tracker covered the myra hindley moore's murderer and um and cat Marchant, who's got the fabulous Reading the Past channel on YouTube, covered um, the baby farmers. Anyway, so I thought after after that, um, I could finish off with a, a slightly more um, amusing set of circumstances. Um, and anyway, so it, it was as funny as murder can be, I suppose. And the funny bit about it was the way she tried to get get away with it, the, the story she told to try and get away with it. So please do go and check that out if you want um, 20 minutes or so of, of a bit of a laugh. I think it was a bit of a laugh anyway, and I think everyone enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, so so yeah, so um, Blending Palace, let's go back to that for a little bit. I, d I touched on it obviously while I was there. Um, that was the Royal Park of Woodstock. Um, royal estate of Woodstock I'm not sure what it was called but it was it was basically used for hunting in the time say in the time of the Tudors and prior to that as well um, and you had uh, uh, Woodstock Manor 
keep wanting to call it Hall, I think it was Woodstock Manor. And in the gatehouse there is where Princess Elizabeth would be to become Elizabeth I, but where she was kept prisoner. And there's nothing left of the manor. And um, that's because when Sarah Churchill, that is because of Sarah Churchill. Uh, Janice said we needed that last story. Yes, I, I felt that as well. I felt that as well. Uh, we couldn't really end on um, baby farmers, could we? Um, I'm glad you felt the same. Uh, so yeah, and so Woodstock Manor, who, which is a place I've read about lots when you do, you come across it in Elizabeth the first story, especially. Um, and then when you find out there's nothing left, of course, this happens quite often with the Tudors, but you find out there's nothing left. It's, it's a bit, oh, that's why, why is there nothing left? Well, it turns out it's because literally Sarah Churchill, <laughs> and we, we talked about her personality in our clubhouse room on Monday, which by the way, we recorded. So that episode, that room will actually be available on the podcast, um, a new podcast, which I'll tell you about sometime. Um, that will be available soon. Anyway, so we talked about Sarah Churchill's personality. And if you, it really, she really was um, definite in her viewpoint, whether it was politics or what she wanted done with the building of Blenheim, whatever it was. And Woodstock Manor um, was in the view, I suppose, of the new palace. Now, the architect, um, Vandenberg, wanted Sarah to keep Woodstock Manor as a, as a folly, you know, as a something of interest in the view. Sarah didn't want to. So what Van Burr did, he actually renovated Woodstock Manor, or part of it, I don't know whether it was all of it or just part of it, for him to live in whilst Blenheim was being built. I mean, Blenheim took like three decades to build, but anyway, he, he decided he would, he would live there and he would do it up. And he didn't tell Sarah this. So Sarah got wind of it and went over one day and somehow the housekeeper didn't know who she was. I don't know how that is. And she asks to be look, asked to take a look around, asked to be shown around. This isn't unusual in this time period of houses where housekeepers will make a little bit of extra pocket money by showing um, basically tourists, early tourists around. Um, so she show, shows Sarah around. Sarah can see that this place has been um, renovated and updated, ready for Van Burr to live in. So he's defied her. So she orders for the whole place to be flattened. So we no longer have anything of Woodstock Manor. So there we go. What a story. We could have had Woodstock Manor still. But uh, Sarah Churchill was defied and... Uh, put a foot down, stamped a foot by the sound of it, had a little hissy fit mm. and had it, uh, had it raised to the ground. But anyway, there you go. There's Woodstock. So but that's, um, that's where Woodstock is. There is a village called Woodstock as well, but it was really a hunting lodge and, and hunting area for, for Kings and Queens prior to Blenheim Palace being built because Anne basically gave over the land and, um, and I think it was 240,000 pounds worth of money. Hi Michael, welcome. Welcome to everyone who's just joined in. I can see people joining all the time over on Instagram and YouTube. Um, can I just say on YouTube, thank you everybody. I am almost at 2,000 subscribers. If you aren't subscribed to me on YouTube, please do because it's, I'm at that irritating phase where I'm just a few, I'm nine under 2,000 people. And, you know, you could just, just just treat it as a kindness. Come and subscribe so that my numbers can be nice and uh, round again. I'm at uh, 1991. I'd love to get to 2000 by the weekend. So if you're not subscribed um, uh, to me on YouTube, then that would be uh, that would be great. Yes, thank you, Michael. Fan base is growing. It's one of those things. It's a slow burn, always is for everybody. Um, and then get a little bit of momentum, which is what I am hoping will happen. Um, Marion, do you think Sarah grieved Queen Anne's death? I wonder after such a deep friendship if her anger had turned into grief. Actually, we spoke about how to Sarah, and this is something that Antony Antonia Keeney at Blenheim had said to me, um, to Sarah, you dead 
she could get on with she she revered you more in death than in life um hi Orlando hi from Rio um I want to go into the song now Rio Rio no uh it's a kids film I love it so um she yes and, and and when we discussed Sarah we thought well with her personality that's probably because you can't talk back to her at that point she can she can make of you what she will she can you know ply ply you into whatever um viewpoint she would wish you to have and you can't um disagree and she lost two two daughters um she actually lived till into her 80s sarah did so um but she lost she outlived at least two daughters and again to to her in in death they were more palatable than they had been to her in life and perhaps that's the same with Anne. she outlived Anne by for 40 years I think it was 40 years <laughs> the samba mood yeah <laughs> thank you for thank you for saying they even got close um uh and i do wonder with sarah and anne how much sarah really felt for anne in the first place um how did sarah get all her power um tammy did it say tammy um well, because, well, let's go into it. Uh, I, Queen Anne, uh, so Queen Anne and Sarah Churchill had been um, together, friendship, playmates, whatever, from quite an early age. Sarah was about five years older than Anne. And there seems to have been a older sister, younger sister style relationship from the very beginning. And by that, I mean, Anne is constantly trying to impress um and please Sarah so there's gifts after gifts after and, and titles and jobs uh, so when when Anne becomes queen so well when Anne's princess um uh and um well princess of Denmark she, she married George of Denmark Sarah's in her household and Sarah's got important um positions so she's keeper of the privy uh, purse or um whatever it'd be called if she's well she's princess maybe it's the same um but keeper of Anne's finances her wardrobe um so she gets given more and more um positions of power so she has power now just as a an aside actually because this didn't come up I don't think we discussed this on Monday when we were talking about Sarah but it will be in the podcast um Sarah was actually a very astute business start well I suppose we'd say business um like type business type um we, we might describe her as now but she was very savvy so she invested in property um so actually by the time she uh by the time she died she had a lot of property and uh and wealth in her will to distribute and that's because she was savvy so she yes she got her power through having positions um and therefore income as well Obviously, she was married to John Churchill, who was Duke of Marlborough. So he was head of the Allied forces, um, prominent figure in the, the wars of the Spanish 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 succession. I need another sip of my tea in a minute. And um, so presumably they had a big income, but she seemed to um, be quite savvy with how she invested it as well. So she was powerful in terms of position and then also powerful in terms of uh, wealth, uh, even after Anne, uh, Anne had died. Um, but yes, I wonder how much was a true friendship uh, in equal terms and how much was Anne trying to just please Sarah all the time and Sarah just never being satisfied um, with either the relationship or, or what she was getting. But um, it's, it's interesting and, and it's... Um, I, it you know it's a relationship that I think is um, is always worth looking into more and more. Um, it's a long relationship, um, and the evidence you know by by far I, I've got a lot more to read by far about it. But it's very interesting, and and we talked about the favourite, the film. Um, yes, Is it, have any of you seen it? Have any of you seen the film, the favourite? If you have, I'd like to see, uh, like to know what you thought of it. Pop it in the comments. Mm. 
but we talked about that. Um, Blenheim as well, of course, is the, is the birthplace, I don't know if you knew this, of Winston Churchill, our wartime prime minister. And uh, you can actually visit the room that he was born in. So I think I mentioned this on, um, on they hated it, yeah. <laughs> when you watch it, Green-Eyed Hippie, just watch it with a pinch of salt. Just enjoy the costumes. Um, and remember, it's a dramatisation based on fact. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, so Winston Churchill, so he was actually born at Blenheim. So his, when he was born, uh, it was his grandfather who was the Duke of Marlborough. Um, Janice, yeah, I would recommend watching it. I've now watched it. Now it's about £3.50 on Netflix as opposed to when it was... I can't remember what it was. It was like £10 to rent it or something. And I was like, no, thanks. And I waited till it came down. Um, so I wouldn't have wanted to pay a lot to watch it. But then that's that's me and historical drama anyway, to be frank. Uh, but yeah, I would recommend watching it. Also, if you've, um, if you've taken an interest in historical properties, um, you can do a bit of historical property bingo and uh, and and see if you can recognize some of the sets some of the well, not sets are they some of the locations um because i find myself doing that i'm like well she's just walked out of that room and that into that room but that was hatfield house and that's hampton court palace <laughs> geek um, but yeah um yes watch it, it it's a it's you know get the popcorn out um so Anyway, what was I saying? So Winston Churchill was born at Blenheim. Yes, yeah, so his granddad was the Duke of Marlborough uh, at the time of his birth. Don't ask me which one. Seventh? Something like that. Um, uh, Soledad. I watched it. Didn't like it very much, but I like the settings. Yeah, settings and costumes were rather fabulous, weren't they? Um, and the coaches. I'm always interested in the, the horse-drawn carriages. Oh, thank you very much, Mafia Photographs. Um Right, so Winston Churchill's grandfather was the Duke of Marlborough when uh, when he was born, and his uh, so Winston Churchill's mother, oh my goodness, can't remember her name, was at a party at Blenheim Palace, and uh, apparently he was six weeks premature. I thought he was less premature than that. Either way, she wasn't expecting to go into labour at this party. She does, and she. Um, and she, uh, sorry, I'm just reading the comments. Um, and she gives birth in a room not too far from uh, the entrance hall, actually. And you can go into that room. Um, let me see what they're saying. Um, I feel they're just joining now. I'm, yes, I'm very well, thank you. Um, yes, thank you. Um, and I hope you're doing well as well and the, the, the shifts aren't too bad at the moment. Um, what was Sarah's relationship with Queen Mary? Um, loved the costumes, not the movie. Yeah, um, well, so most of what I know at the moment is based on my talk with Antonia Keeney, which was which was more around um, Sarah's uh, relationship with Anne, um, once Anne, well, on the road to Anne becoming Queen and, and when Anne was Queen. Um, but of course, Mary and William, Anne's immediate predecessors, um, are contemporaries of Sarah, of course. And I think when they were pulling in the same direction, this is the thing with Sarah, when they're pulling in the same direction, you'd think she was your best friend. You'd think she was amazing. As soon as you're doing something that she doesn't agree with or she can't follow, then you're in the wrong. And... Um, so I'm not sure with Mary. I think they were, they were practically wanting the same sorts of things at the time. So I don't know, and I don't know what they were like personally um, together. Um, that depends on what Mary was like because Sarah um, is very educated. She she likes people or being around people, and it's because she found Anne quite boring. Oak oh, Doug the Seventh. Thank you. So. Um, so when Winston Churchill is born, his grandfather is the seventh Duke of Marlborough and he's at Blenheim Palace. Um, so, so Winston Churchill is obviously related to Sarah Churchill, but he, he never became, he never becomes Duke of uh, Marlborough because it's his, 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 he had an older brother. 
sorry, not his older brother, his father had an older brother. His uncle. Oh, goodness. Okay, I'm having my tea. Hold on one second. But Blenheim's fabulous. I If um, if any of you haven't been and you're planning a trip around the UK or to the UK, um, then then pop, 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 pop Blenheim on your itinerary. Um, so what have I got here? Michael, have I read the book The Last Jewel? No, I haven't. I haven't. Is that a recommendation? I do like a good book recommendation. I give you mine, don't I? But mine are all them. Um, <laughs> mine are all, mine are all very. Um, I don't do it. I don't do. Um, I don't do historical fiction very well, because when I really like it, I really like it, and when I don't, I don't finish it. Um, there is a book that I helped review by Leslie Smith out at the moment called uh, just out called Wolf Moon. I would recommend that. She's amazing. Um, actually, I've been to see her this week up at Tutbury Castle, but I've spoken about her quite a bit in the in the past in Tutbury Castle. Um, she is oh, it's a true story. Uh, uh, good. Okay, I like the idea of that. Um, so yeah, so I went to Tutbury Castle to speak to Leslie. Leslie Smith does. I'm going to record a podcast with her very soon about her characters. She does monologues dressed as. Um, female um, historical figures she actually I've never asked her about it but she does um, Margaret Thatcher um, but she does uh, Boudicca right back to Boudicca she I've seen her as uh, Catherine of Aragon and as Elizabeth uh, no I haven't seen her as Elizabeth first actually I've seen her as Mary Queen of Scots Mary Queen of Scots was held captive you see at Tutbury um, so I've actually seen her do that at Tutbury and she will be on the the Life and Times of Elizabeth I tour next year um, that I'm running, uh, coming as Elizabeth I, um, which is going to be uh, very fab. But I will be recording a podcast with her soon about her characters, how she develops them, why she decided to portray these figures in history in the way that she does um, and any other question I can think of. I'm, I'm really intrigued about how she researches them, how she decides what to put in, leave out and how on earth she learns the script for a 30, I think that her monologue is about 30 to 40 minutes long. I just find that incredible and I've done amateur dramatics so I've learned script before but never a monologue, I mean it's massive. Um, Michael does a good impression of Boris Johnson on a bad hair day, on your bad hair day. He he always has bad hair days, doesn't he? Um, so, yeah, so while I was there, like I said, I went to the Ashmolean Museum. Um, we're coming up to the uh, 5th of November, which is our bonfire night, which is the commemoration of the gunpowder plotters being captured before they managed to blow up Parliament. And... In the Ashmolean, uh, there is Guy Fawkes' lantern that he had with him when he was captured, because obviously it's Guy Fawkes who was captured. So have a look out. I'll obviously do a post about that on the 5th of November. So that's what I went to try and find. The other thing I wanted to look at was um, Alfred the Great's jewel, which again, I'll, I'll do a post about um, at some point. Um, and then there are two other things I didn't expect to find that I was just, actually I was hunting around for Guy Fawkes Lantern because I couldn't find it. <laughs> and I found, found, like I say, I didn't find, the museum know they've got them, um, I can, but I didn't know. Um, two other things. One of them that you'll have seen on my Instagram and Facebook again, if you, if you look, and I've started to share them on YouTube as well. I forget that I can share posts on YouTube, so I'm getting a bit better at doing it. Uh, but one of the things was Henry VIII's hawking glove. And it, I, I mean, I have to say, the museum generally writes reported to have belonged to or, you know, so it's not definite stuff. However, if you have a look at the uh, the picture, it's a right-hand glove. So he would have had, I didn't realise this, but he would have had a pair of gloves apparently for hawking. Did I say it was hawking glove? Maybe I didn't. So he'd had a pair of gloves for hawking. But if any of you have seen any falconry shows um, or read anything about it, that they, they land on their left hand. And someone asked me the other day, and I forgot to answer, why do they land on their left hand? I'm I, And I can only 
presume, so if anyone knows, please do feel free to comment, but I can only presume that it's because you would always leave your right hand free because you, it's assumed that your right hand is your dominant hand. So the bird would land on your left hand and you've got the right hand free to do the fiddly cap, the, the bird's cap, because they, they put um, <laughs> like a little motorcycle helmet over the, over the bird's head to, 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 to cover their eyes actually, um, and they calm. Um, they don't obviously they're not going to fly off when they can't see um, and there's a cap and the right hand glove so you can imagine the left hand glove presumably gets pretty gnarled up and that isn't there they don't have that but they have the right hand glove in pretty good condition because that's not the one you'd use I don't know that's what they say and it looks very nice it does look um, very Henry-esque actually so that was there. And the other thing that was there, which is slightly confusing in the dating, I have to say, is uh, Henry VII, well, a funeral pool of Henry VII. So these would be used, also known as a hearse cloth, these would have been used at memorial services. Um, and uh, Michael says, maybe because your right hand is your sword hand. Yes, I can't, that sounds, I've got a sword in my right hand and a hawk in my left hand multitasking but yes I imagine because it's your right hand's your dominant hand you need it free for I don't know in case someone attacks you while you're birding um so uh where was I Namaste. welcome uh yes yeah, so this funeral pool so it was used at memorial services for Henry VII in um that they had at uh, the Church of St. Mary the Virgin in Oxford. And it's beautiful. They, they date it from, I think they dated it as 1704 or five. Now he didn't die till seven, uh, 17, sorry, 1504 uh, or five, but he didn't die till 1509. Um, so I don't know how they date it. I don't know if they date it from the cloth or, or what, I, I, I don't know. But, but it's exquisite. It's made of cloth of gold and velvet um, and the embroidery. So you've got in the middle, Henry VIII's coat, sorry, Henry VII's coat of arms. Um, and then, so that's in the middle. And then repeatedly, um, you have, um, uh, sorry, it has, port, they're both at portcullis and Tudor rose, both with crowns on top. Um, your left glove is completely different to your right, being thick enough to protect from the bird's claws. Oh, they wouldn't have been a matched pair. Ah, okay, so maybe the right ones, the right one is the pretty one. The right one's the showing off hand glove because it's got nice embroidery around the, around the cuffs. It's, it's really quite nice. Have a look, go and have a look at my Instagram. Not right now afterwards uh, and you'll be able to see it so so that was good that was good to come across and then oh, the other place I mentioned that I went to see uh, which is the first time I'd never been there is Oxford Castle and Prison um, and it the, the sorry the castle dates back to Anglo-Saxon times and it's it's got a the most pronounced mot um, that I've ever seen um, and you can't go on it at the moment so it's basically just you know, a, a mot as in a mot and bay castle, you've got the, the mot is the hill. The really, but this is a really concentrated steep hill in the middle of Oxford, um, grassy hill. And, and that, was, that was the mot of the original castle. Um, and then where you could still go into, the oldest part is called St George's Tower. Um, and this has been used uh, for varying uses over time, but actually, as a prison quite a lot and again I shared a picture of um, there's a wooden floor at the very bottom of the of the tower welcome everyone who's joining I'm talking about Oxford castle and prison and this wooden floor on the very so on, on the ground floor um, you there's two circles in 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 the floor and um, basically the, the, the male prisoners were made to, um, what is the name of the things they were made to push around? 
it basically pumped water up to um, tanks in the roof which would then feed down into the laundry and that's where the female prisoners that's where they were doing their penance but the men would have to walk around pushing this um, contraption and so you've got two concentric circles um, is that the right word concentric <laughs> in the floor it's incredible have a look again I've shared it on Instagram and, and Facebook if you're interested in seeing that um, capstan thank you Doug but they were um, so the, the tower though also was the site of um, uh, soldiers in the English civil wars being kept um, in horrendous circumstances you stand in the same room and obviously probably with COVID as well and everything now, you, there, we, there was like six of us or something in there and there would have been like, I don't know, 40 or something in there it, it, when there was when the soldiers were kept prisoner. If they died, they were left. There was no toilets. It, I mean, it just would have been horrendous. It's also um, where Matilda of the anarchy period so um, this is the King Stephen versus Queen Matilda or Empress Matilda um, time. The, the, she apparently escaped from here. Now the story goes, let's see what you think of this. The story goes that she escapes from uh, an upstairs window in the tower on bed sheets. I think her and two servants, accomplices, whatever. And it's snowing or it has snowed. Um, so they wear white and then walk backwards in the snow. So she's supposed to be in this white cape and walks backwards in the snow so that anyone who sees the sheets thinks that it's someone coming up to the tower and trying to get in. But I'm thinking a cape, like, have you ever tried walking backwards in the snow? I mean, I haven't, but I'm not imagining that it leaves exactly like the same sorts of footprints that it does if you're going forward. But anyway. I digress. She escaped from that tower, um, but it was turned in. So it's so it's it's got a history as a prison anyway, um, and uh, and it gets added to um, right up. Uh, well, I think it was used as a prison up until the nineteen sixties. And actually, one wing of the prison. Here you go. Anyone with an odd sense of humour um, is now a Malmaison hotel. So you can go and stay in it. I think I've, I have seen it on Instagram actually. Um, somebody sharing about it but you can actually go and stay in one of the wings now of, of uh, Oxford prison and it, it, it looks very much like you'd expect a prison to look um, and you can go and stay there I could recommend some nicer places if you're in the area um, but yes so there was a um, yeah well, who wants to break into a prison? Tell me, who wants to stay in a prison? It just, honestly, because, because in the mid, you know, in the, like in the middle, it's still the same. The, the staircases and the, mm, no, no thank you. No thank you. It was, it was quite intriguing to look at. Um, but there was a chapel there once and the only bit left of the, see the castle would have had a chapel, I say obviously, I think most did. Um, the, the crypt is still there. Um, supposedly haunted. I didn't stay long enough to find out. Um, so, uh, so that's that was interesting. What else was there? Oh well, then this is where I came across. Yes, full of spirits indeed, because they were hung. People were hung within the prison. So I came across the story here of Mary Blandy, which I've already. Uh, so I mentioned her at the very beginning, and anyone who's listening to our Instagram live uh, for our History After Dark club um, room last night. Um, I spoke about Mary Blundy. She was kept at the prison, but she was hung somewhere in Oxford. There's, there's two, two potential places she was actually hung. But hangings were, um, oh good, thank you, Shannon. The um, hangings uh, went inside prisons at some point, I'm not sure when. So yes, I'm sure there are lots of spirits um, around there I mean you, could you talk it if it, well way over a thousand years worth of history on that site um so it it's uh yeah it's very interesting um the green out hippie please do more of those history after dark lives like twice a week it's the highlight of the week 
well, the only trouble is we do have we do have other stuff. <laughs> so we actually do between us um, five live events a week. So you can join us on Clubhouse on a Monday and a Friday at five o'clock. Um, and uh, oh yes, and a Thursday. I don't do this one, but Catherine and Gail uh, Thomas do this one on uh, Thursday at 8.15. Gail Hume, sorry. Um, and then on Instagram, you can join me on a Wednesday night, 8.15 p.m. That's for History After Dark. It is where we let, it is where we let loose a bit. Um, and, but also on a Friday, I'm very much better behaved on a Friday at four o'clock in the afternoon where we talk about um, traveling, you no, know, visiting Tudor Britain. I keep, I keep getting the name wrong. Visiting Tudor Britain. Um, now, when we go live on Instagram, we go around our different profiles. So uh, keep an eye on my story and I will let you know when and where I am going live. Um, good, thank you, Green Eyed Hippie. You're gonna have to tell me your real name one day and I will try and remember it. Um, oh, Shannon, you studied at Oxford. There were lots of students around, I did notice. Um, yes, it, well, of course, it's a university, university city, isn't it? Um, I'd like to explore it a bit more. Um, Deja, is that how I, have I pronounced that right? I will try to remember that. But thank you, thank you. I'm so glad people are, people are really enjoying it. So if you're enjoying it and you know someone else who would enjoy it, please help us um, kind of spread the word. And I may as well tell you now that the History After Dark Room um, will have its own podcast very soon. So if you do miss, um, if you do miss it, you can either catch up on it on, on Instagram, either um, my, it'll be my, um, my profile, or Katrina Marchant, or the Tudor Tracker, which is Catherine. I'm not on Twitter. No. Um, uh, no. I don't know. I find Twitter a bit of a. I don't know. I, I focus more on um, on Instagram, really. Um, Laurel, love the IG lives. I can figure out what. I, I can figure out that technology. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, if, um, so Osborne Books, uh, Debbie, if you, uh, if you sign up to my newsletter, here's a shameless plug, but it is free. Um, if you go to my bio, uh, the, sorry, the link in my bio on Instagram, um, there is a, uh, a link there to sign up to my newsletter. And on the bottom of that newsletter, I've put the, the live calendar so you can see what we're doing. And it's because it's the same time each week on Instagram, the places will change because it will change through. Shannon, feel free, DM me. Um, the name of the Tudor show. So the Tudor um, show, are, are, so we have two on a Friday. One is on Instagram, which is visiting Tudor Britain. And that's at four o'clock. And then at five o'clock, we're on Clubhouse. Um, and that is our history half hour in the Tudor History Club. And those are with me um, and Sarah Morris, who's the Tudor Travel Guide. Uh, while we're on, uh, so the visiting Tudor Britain is also with Deb Royal from Tudor Times. And then we're on Clubhouse, it's uh, back to me, Sarah, Catherine, who's the Tudor Tracker, and Kat Marchant, who's reading the past. So there's quite a few of us involved now. It's ever so fun. We get to cover so much stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm quite glad to be putting it on Instagram because people can catch up with it later. Um, and oh, yeah, half hour, Doug says half hour, laugh. Yeah, it's never half hour anymore, is it? Um, and, uh, but yeah, people can catch up with it on Instagram or like I say, the History After Dark Room will also be a podcast with an explicit warning on it. <laughs> it's not for the faint-hearted, but it is, it's the most fun I think I, I, I have it all week. So it's, it's good. It's good. Um, so, yeah, so we discussed, because so, we've this week so far we've done Sarah Church, like I say. Oh, last Friday we had Charlie Fenton on our clubhouse room. Uh, Janice, yes, there is a clubhouse room this 
Friday at five o'clock. We are so bad at scheduling them. I'm so sorry, but yes, it will happen. <laughs> it will be there. Um, can't remember what we're covering. Um, but uh, yes, there will be. There will be. We uh, For Halloween in History After Dark, we're starting. So next week, because we've got a couple of weeks, haven't we, until... Have we? Yes, until Halloween. But we're doing ghosts and witches, witchcraft, um, that kind of thing um, in our History After Dark room, which will be on Instagram. Next Wednesday, it'll be on my profile. So you'll be able to see. On my, but if, like I say, if you have a look on... Uh, if you just keep an eye out on my stories, um, I'll share with you when when we're going live and on whose profile. Um, so yeah, just keep an eye out. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's been everything on the live events. I've got a couple of new videos out. Um, uh, they're only short, as usual. <laughs> Next year, I'm going for the biggies. Um, thank you, Deja. I, um, yeah, so next year I'm going for the biggies. There's just going to be one. My lives will be going on, but in terms of a kind of documentary style video, there's just going to be one a month. Um, it's going to be women in history, but not for any other particular reason other than when I made my list of people I wanted to cover, they happen to be um, mainly women. So it's not a particular statement. It's just the way it's worked out, but I'm going to do women in history. Uh, so there'll be 12 videos. Um, they're going to include people like, um, if I can find out enough about her, Eleanor Code, who I've spoken to you about before. She, um, she created a substance that's um, like, it looks like stone. Um, Sorry, Marianne, please sometime talk about how King Charles paintings, how Charles I paintings were sold. Recently saw that one of his paintings is in Paris. I wonder how it got there. Oh, well, I'll have to, I'll have to try and find out in order to talk about it. But uh, yes, okay, cool. I will see if I can find something out for next week. Um, yes, yeah, so Eleanor Code, she intrigues me because she had an extremely successful business in London um, and, um, she made this this substance that's that it's so close to stone even if you break it there's a picture of some of it uh, broken even if you break it it looks like you've broken it looks like a smashed stone or split stone so much so that it's not even identified in some places i think there's more out there than than is already identified but she um she had a business in a time where we're sort of led to believe that women couldn't have businesses etc etc so anyway so she's one person we've got the queen's jubilee uh, platinum jubilee next year so i want to do um uh, a, an episode on her but anyway so next 2020 there's going to be one per month and they're going to be bigger this year though i'm, I'm doing my history snippets and so there's two new ones i think i've put out since um since we last spoke or since i was last here on on a live um one was about uh, King John dying. Uh, thank you, Deja. Yeah, so one of them was uh, yeah about King John dying. Did he get the end he deserved? Bit, maybe a bit mean of me, but maybe not. If you if you actually look at um, John, and he died in October twelve sixteen, and he's King John is uh, the John of Magna Carta fame, and he. Uh, he dies of dysentery at uh, Newark um, and he's buried in the in Worcester Cathedral which isn't far from me so I've, I've shared um, some some pictures of him and his tomb he's, it's the oldest royal effigy uh, in in the in the country I don't think the world probably in Britain the oldest royal effigy on his tomb um, but yeah so he, he dies uh, uh, this week in 1216 it's probably due to his death that we even know about Magna Carta because in the uh, minority of his son Henry III it's brought back in as kind of like a peace offering because we're still in a civil war situation as a peace offering to to the barons and the landowners of the country and um, without that kind of diplomacy coming with the regency of, of John's son um, maybe Magna Carta would never have been um, um, what's the word 
brought back out. That's not the word because I can't think of the word, but that's what I'm trying to think of. Um, so there's that one. Go and have a look. These are only a few minutes long. And the other one, oh goodness me, the other one, um, if any of you have watched The Crown, you'll know that it's kind of like, oh, this is fun. Oh, this happened and that happened and that happened. And then you get hit. I can't remember which series it is in the 1960s with the Aberfan disaster, which I didn't know was coming in The Crown when I was watching The Crown. And it happened to be like, you know, when you stay up and you watch another episode because it brings it on automatically after three seconds and you don't have the self-discipline enough to stop it. <laughs> and that's what had happened. And I get hit with Aberfan disaster episode. Um, so this happened in 1966 in a Welsh uh, village called Aberfan. And um, it, uh, it, it, so basically it's a mining village and the spoil heap uh the spoil heaps were on the edge of the village and they'd got too big um but they kept they, they knew they got too big i think but but they they did it and there'd been heavy rainfall um and the uh one of the spoil heaps um which had been undermined by the rain turned into slurry and it um it just collapsed. It was an avalanche, basically, uh, into into the village, and it. Um, oh, honestly, I've put on the thumbnail that it's the hardest topic I've ever had to cover. Well, I don't have to, but I, that I've covered, um, and it 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 it, ugh, it chokes me up every single time. This um, slurry heap uh, buried the the ugh, it buried the primary school. So this this this. A school full of children, so maybe up to about 11 years old. I'm not sure exactly um, <clears throat> uh, how old they were. Um, and, and, and yeah, so it, it, there's like, there's not, there's not words of a big enough uh, gravitas, I don't think, to describe it. Um, disaster even doesn't seem to cover it for me. But anyway, so I've done a video. So that's, that's actually today. The anniversary of that is today. That happened in 1966. Um, and of course, this one this one school for the village. <clears throat> so um, it was all of the children. Um, there, there weren't many survivors. So anyway, I need to move on from that before I start crying. <laughs> so we've been doing 51 minutes. Thank you to everyone who's stuck with me. Thank you everyone. Honestly, I really, really um, appreciate you spending your time with me. Um, and you might be new here actually because i have had quite a few new uh, subscribers and followers in in the last few weeks so thank you help me if you're not subscribed on youtube to get up to 2000 because i'm at an irritating stage of being only a few people off 2000 and i like to see round numbers <laughs> that's my excuse and i'm sticking to it um so yes i'd love to see you uh love, love you to subscribe um and if you're listening on the podcast as well, that's starting to kick off really nicely now as well. So thank you ever so much. Um, I do you know, that isn't even the end of what I've been up to. Um, oh, should I give you a couple more anniversaries? I've just posted about Nelson. So it's the anniversary of the Battle of Trafalgar today, um, 21st of October, 1805. And Vice Admiral Nelson, uh, uh, died in in that battle in the Battle of Trafalgar. Now they were victorious, but he 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 really, the story goes that he refused to either go below deck when uh, the fighting got close because these ships went up close. So you had um, I've posted on Instagram actually one of the uh, uh, diagrams of how the fleets were. Uh, spaced out on it so you've got two um lines of british ships the victory being at the head of one and the other ship that i can't remember the name of being at the head of the other and the spanish french combined fleet is in like an arc um so this is quite this was this was new and it worked and this is this is where nelson's genius came in but they came up very quickly alongside a french ship called the redoubtable now you when all the cannons are firing and there's, 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 there's smoke, there's stuff everywhere, the visibility is awful. Nelson's still up on the quarter deck and 
they they get entangled with the redoubtable, the friendship, and a, a, a sailor on the redoubtable fires, whether he fired and knew who he was firing at, or whether it's just through the the smoke and the chaos it was a lucky shot but it hits Nelson now I I I couldn't find the account but from memory I think it hits him in the shoulder and it goes it passes through through his insides effectively and lodges in his spine I don't think it comes the, the shot comes out so he's badly wounded and on the um because the HMS victory that he was he the ship he was on I should have mentioned that um uh, is at historic uh, the the historic dockyards at Portsmouth, and there's a there's a brass plaque on the quarter deck where um, it's believed Nelson fell, but he's taken down um, to another deck. I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of these of the, the different like, uh, decks on ship, and he's taken down, and he's in a really bad way, and they can't do anything for him. But he's he's not dying fast. He's dying quite slowly, um, and but he does die that day. He dies though just after he's told that they were victorious, that the British have 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 been victorious at the Battle of Trafalgar. Um, and um, I've put the quote on Instagram about his his last words, um, are something like, um, "Thank God I've I've done my duty." I think some something along those lines. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's that's. That's today. That's another on this day in history. So we've got a couple of anniversaries today. Um, um, yes. And then what else have I been up to? So I went to went to Tutbury to see um, Leslie, as I've said. The other thing I've done, I've just finished. I don't know if you know that I do these. These are personalised itineraries. So people contact me and say, oh, I'd, I've got a couple of days with my mum, my sister, friend who's coming over from somewhere not in the last couple of years, but you know, before that and maybe now on, um, can you put me together an itinerary? And the reason people ask me to do this is one, I can suggest places they maybe haven't thought about. And I, um, I'm quite good at the logistics, which is good because I also do the tours. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I've, I'm quite good at logistics. Everyone who um, is on a tour with me will be happy to know. And any of you who've been on a tour with me will already know. Um, but that's that's another reason people come to me. The other re- there's a third reason, maybe four. Let's go for four. Third reason is I do a write-up on each place. Um, and, and four is I put it into a nice, um, personalized, pretty itinerary. And each one has uh, the history um, of the place. And if it's got a massive history, it would be um, more towards what period of history are you interested in. Um, suggested durations, when they're open, that kind of thing, what facilities have got, um, and some don't miss it. So this one's on the commandery. I'd love to tell you about the commandery sometime um, in, uh, in in Worcestershire. Um, Daya, have I done have I done Warwickshire? What do you mean by done Warwickshire? <laughs> I used to work in Warwickshire. I in my, in a previous life I was a um I was a uh the I managed a team of of water inspectors and my patch was Worcestershire. Uh, Warwickshire, sorry. I also did Worcestershire later on, but my patch was Warwickshire. So I know it quite well. I've also taken quite a few tours to Warwickshire as well. And we'll be back in Warwickshire for uh, the life and times of Elizabeth I next year. I can give you a bit of an exclusive. Do you want me to give you a little bit of an exclusive? In, uh... Yeah, that's it. I'm going to write out to the people on that tour straight after this so that, it, so that, so that I haven't done a, done a naughty. But I can confirm two more speakers for that are coming on the Life and Times of Elizabeth I tour next year. One is Jonathan Foyle, who is amazing. He's, um, I don't know how he'd describe himself. I was describing myself, him as an architectural historian, which might not be quite true, uh, or might, it, it, I don't think it covers everything, but he, he, he does. Um, but he, he's incredible. He's done loads of brilliant um, uh, programmes on TV. Um, and his blooper reels are hilarious because he he never swears. <laughs> like, and anyone who's watched History After Dark will know that. Um, yeah, 
but that uh, that's not my mo. <laughs> not if I was being dropped from the dome of St Paul's, which is one of the points. I think it sort of it sort of just goes that that obviously he's on a fall arrestor so he doesn't go very far but he just sort of goes whoops or something like that <laughs> anyway he's a lovely lovely man and he's an incredible historian and he was once uh, he's a he's a past curator at historic royal palaces as well especially hampton court i think he had a lot to do with so he's going to be um coming and talking to the group um doing the opening night actually um and the other one is tracy borman so uh, she was already booked for doing the Anne Boleyn tour and on progress with Anne Boleyn. So they're the tours in May and September respectively. But she's now confirmed to be speaking to the group um, on the Life and Times for Elizabeth I tour in July. Now there's two spaces left for that tour. So if you, do, if you are interested, then um, if you have a look at the website now, britishhistorytours.com that's my website um, you can see all the details you can see the full itinerary um, and you can you can download the booking forms and send them in because like I said there's only two spaces left on that tour there's, and there's four left on the on progress tour as well so that might be worth a look if you're interested um, I'm afraid the Anne Boleyn tour is uh, in May is sold out but I am taking uh interest um, if you want to register your interest in the 2023 one you can do that there as well um what's my favorite part of history to look into oh should i get <laughs> i could keep up with uh i could uh um maybe keep that to next week rachel says with my busy schedule have i managed to keep up the archery or have i taken up jousting <laughs> <laughs> for jousting I'd have to learn to ride a horse <laughs> which I pretended to do when I was a child and then uh, uh, I just can't do it anymore <laughs> I'm really bad the horse knows as well I let I only led a horse in the summer when my daughter was on it and uh, my husband had led this horse and it'd be fine um bye thank you everyone for joining and I know we're getting to an hour now so people are gonna have to drop off um uh, I led the horse and it started biting me. They know, they know. Um, Michael, a history of St. Paul's and its oh, connection to Freemasonry would be interesting. Ooh, indeed. Um, uni Univeral, Univeral? Hi, am I part of any government organisation such as the Royal Society or Natural History Union? Nope, I do it all on my own. Well, with friends in the biz. Um, uh, Marion, do I record or planning to record any of the conversations on the tours? So, um, not at the moment, no, but I'm looking at doing other talks and events that are shorter as well. Because obviously the tours, people pay a lot of money to come on the tours, they're exclusive. Uh, and so obviously they get, um, they, ha they, they get it because they're on the tour, but I will, uh, I am looking at doing some other events and talks and obviously, um, as much as I can people are on the podcast um uh, interviews and I mean if you're interested in that kind of thing as well then my Patreon is 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 a good place to go and uh, because that's where I do sort of exclusive historian interviews as well um and a lot of the people who come on the tours because I've made that connection they'll do a podcast with me as well and in fact I am recording one with Tracy um we've got a date in the diary to record it in November so that will be available um as well so um hi Celia um thank you so much so I am um <laughs> you seem to be very enterprising and using your gift of the gab I'm going to take that as a compliment um and the advent of social media to the fullest well there's a whole backstory there which I won't go into now but I've been around for quite a long time um but not uh but I only sort of more recently making the most of uh, coming in front of camera and getting uh, getting more confident with that. But I just love it. I mean, we're we're having a chat about history, and I know some and it, lots of people comment here, which I really appreciate. Thank you so much. And I know uh, obviously I get lots of um, people contacting me via direct messenger as well and saying how much um, they enjoy the history chats and everything else that we do um, and, and what I do with my colleagues as well on Clubhouse and, and on Instagram so it's great and like I say we're going to have the uh, History After Dark podcast coming so 
yeah, technology, technology for all its ills is also uh, a force for good as well. Um, <laughs> thank you, Rachel. Thank you for joining. And um, yes, hope to see you very soon. So everyone, I will leave you to your day. I've taken up enough of your time already. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're around um, on Instagram tomorrow at four o'clock, um, then we're going live on Tudor Times uh, profile for visiting Tudor Britain. And if you're around on Clubhouse at five o'clock, I will be there with Sarah, uh, Dr. Kat and Catherine um, doing our history half hour in the Tudor History Club. So I hope to see you sometime in the week, if not here again at this time next week. So thank you ever so much, everybody. I will see you all very soon. Bye.